Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, friends, and welcome. To the No BS Guide to Life with me, Bangs, in London. And me, Lamara, live from New York. Hi. Wow, hi. go on. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. No long thing, you know. Bruv, let's just dive into this because we got, we got a lot, lot, lot to say today. All right. <sighs> collective bullshit. No, let's start with that. Let's start uh, yeah. with the collective bullshit, people. So usually, while obviously I would have something to call bullshit oh. on and Lamara would have something to call bullshit on, We've obviously, this week, given that the world is crashing down around us, have decided to opt for the same thing that we're going to call bullshit on, which is, of course, Lamara Selden, please. Bruv, the bullshit that is Brexit. Ugh. The bullshit that is Brexit. Let me tell you, right, oh, where to even begin? Like, yes, I'm. first of all, I'm very, very proud of the conversation we're about to have about this, the conversation on my timeline, on my Twitter feed, of people who are well-informed and know Wild Grant and know how disastrous this is for the future of London, let alone the UK, and the future of young people, right, in this country. And it's never too much. It's never too much. The thing is, yeah, we need to voice this, like, on whatever medium or platform that you have. We need to voice this. On Thursday night, sitting couple of mates in flipping Brooklyn and I logged on to BBC and the votes started coming in. I was like, ooh, leaves looking a little bit peak right now, fam. Mm. And then over the course of the night, more votes started flooding in. More votes started flooding in. And I was awake at like one o'clock in the morning when it broke that we are leaving the European Union. Never, never. And it's so dramatic, never in my life, never in my parents nor my grandparents' life would they have thought this would have happened? Yeah. I take the stance that this is pure bullshit and we've dog fucking days for the, the coming of Britain. I really believe that because as a grandchild of a, a first-generation immigrant from the West Indies, right, we're now living in times which are repeated when they weren't welcomed, when people wanted to close borders and streets, when it was no blacks, no dogs, no Irish, right? Mm -hmm. When people decided to forget and ignore the tremendous um, contribution, sorry, that non-Brits make to Britain, right? Yeah. So I get vexed and frustrated for not so much, even though it's shit, the economy, right? Definitely for the future of young people who voted in their droves versus the majority of old people who, bruv, is this decision even affecting you? Oh, no, why? Because you're, you're cool. you got your pension. You're about to retire. You're not really thinking about your, your, your grandchildren. But I take and it, it hurts a little bit more to know we are in these times when fear-mongering and propaganda and xenophobia rule, just like it did in the 60s, worse than it did in the 60s. And what pisses me off even more, Bangs, people, they voted because they thought it was a joke thing. 
yeah. Pick it up, fam. Like, let's go in. Pick it up. Like, I'm done. I'm done. I just feel sick, basically. Mm-hmm. I've felt sick since the day of the results. And I think one of the first things I tweeted was that this has just exposed the dirty underbelly of xenophobia mm-hmm. in, in the UK. And I think that the rhetoric of the Leave campaign throughout and now with this horrible, disastrous victory, I guess, that they want to claim. Imagine calling it that. Jesus. They want to call it that. Um, I think it just gives license now to this really dangerous xenophobic yeah. uh, rhetoric that they have. Yeah. And we've seen it already. I've seen so many um, awful stories on Twitter and, and other places of anybody who, you know, these, they're just racists. That, let's just yeah. stop beating around the bush. That is what yeah. it is. Anybody That's who it. these de- these racists deem to be an immigrant. So basically, if you have non-white skin living in the UK right now, I'm You're sorry. Screwed. I'm sorry. You're screwed. You're I'd screwed. like to apologise on behalf of like good fucking decent people. I am mm. sorry because these are not my sentiments. It's not my belief. I did not vote for this. And it really freaking hurts to see people who are immigrants and then people who just are people of colour who are born and bred in the UK. Exactly, to, you know. Having to deal with this hatred and vitriol from people telling them, like, there were people who were blocking uh, immigrants, and I'm using freaking air quotes for that, because how can you even tell, though? Like, who, what the fuck? Like, we're Thank a very, we're a well, very this is, multiracial country. Multicultural we, city. We always London, have been. Right? And you're blocking right. people getting on the tube saying, we don't want you here, we voted you out. Oh, fuck off. I, I would vote those people. Can we vote those people out? Well, this Can is we the give thing them now. their when own are we gonna, Yeah. So now I have a very handy map of yellow and blue of where not to travel mm. in the UK. But what's the step? Like, what literally is the next step? What am I going to have to wear to indicate I'm a citizen of the UK and I have a part? Because who the fuck do we sound like, fam? Who are we turning? Germany? Mm. Oh, remember a guy called Hitler? Did no one study? You didn't care to study your history, mm. and I think all of that. And this is the thing: people are like, no, it's not, it's not racism, it's not xenophobia. What was the whole campaign run on, people? Exactly. How people who are of immigrants are a drain on society, right? On your nat- na- national um, resources, on your healthcare, on your right to jobs. I really want to see all the people on Jeremy Kyle go and work in Poundland now or start building a wall outside their house, yeah? I mean, I'm or, sure they've all rushed to find I'm these sure jobs that have been stolen from them. They've yeah, just rushed now, out to find them. if the 350 million you thought was going to the NHS isn't going to the NHS, have 350 million jobs um, become open and vacant. So you can go and work them, Becky. I call fucking bullshit on it, man. And for me, the added poignancy of, you know, like where my grandparents are from, but also living in a very fractured nation mm. that is walking down the same path as Britain. Yeah. Right? So living in that reality right now of this, well, I mean, this is America, you know, the clear divide of red and blue states, we, we've all seen that. And then man like Trump, dickhead of the year, being like Scotland's popping off and it's not. But let's just let, just hold on to that. Regardless of whether we got the place wrong or right, because we know he's going to get it wrong anyway, the sentiment which he speaks to echoes that in London. So now, <laughs> Midwest, Southern, swing state Americans are piping up 
because they see England as a possibility. Mm. So we've set a president, we set a historic president for what happens when fear wins. Mm. France are now probably piping up. Mm. What other country wants this nationalist sentiment to like come to the forefront and start doing their own thing and, and not stand for unity and not stand for multiculturalism and not stand for diversity and inclusion. And but at the very basic fact, protections of deep being a decent fucking human. Mm. You know? So we're living like I don't know, fam. I don't know. Like, I know you've been looking at, you know, you got your Canadian passport, big you up. Like, I've been looking into getting a Jamaican passport. I don't because the the, the trouble now if we had this great British passport, is it doesn't really mean a lot now when Not you go having, to Europe. No. Can't do anything with it. There's no point. What's what's the point? There's no point. No. Let's talk about the future generations of people who wanted to experience and add creativity and um, to different European countries through Erasmus programs, through working abroad, through living abroad. Yank that, haven't you? I think what bothers me the most is the politics of fear around this whole thing rather than facts. It's just fear over facts. Michael Gove was even saying we're tired of experts telling us these and I'm I'm not I'm not tired of experts telling me no. actual actual facts that affect my life in a very real way. No, never tired of them. I'm never tired of that. And and I think it's just awful to see that see the cards that the that Boris Johnson and Michael Gove have played and they have totally played mm. the, the citizens of the UK. And the people who this affects the most, poor working class people right. who this whole rhetoric has been built around, oh, the, the cause of your problems is the immigrants. The cause of your problems are the No, it yeah. isn't. Yeah. The cause of your problems are the fucking Tories. And if you think that the Tories have got your back now that we're out of Europe, oh, it's a sad day for you. But cry me a fucking river because you were stupid. You made a stupid Tell fucking them. choice. This is what bothers me is that, A, to take it all the way back, we should have some, there should be seminars or something when you're in school to explain how to vote and how to gather information and listen to both sides of an argument and make rational choices, right? right. That should be a, a thing to begin with because as was demonstrated after the fact, younger people have voted and some of them did not understand what they were voting for at all. I think older people too, to be fair. I, there were interviews with people who were in their 20s who thought that they could get a do-over after, like, oh, we didn't think it would actually happen or we thought, we'd get, we, thought we could vote again after. Nah, babes, that's not yeah. how it works. And so actually... We have failed you as a country because you should have been educated enough to know that. So there's something wrong with our system that we need to address where, and, and also it's personal responsibility as well. So I'm not letting her entirely off the hook. Like something, if, if you, all the talk in the news and everything is about Brexit and this upcoming vote, it is your responsibility to learn about it and learn both sides. That's what I did. Like I didn't I'm, understand it. I'm raising my hand right now because when it was like Brexit, 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 it's me. Let me Google. You know, you know that trusted source, Google, that everyone loves to jump on? Let me Google. Okay, let me go to The Guardian. Okay, let me go to the BBC. Let me go to The Independent. Like, let me talk to my bridges. Like, what? Go on. Okay, I need to vote in this. Because, and it's, this, this is the thing, right? Now, I say this very carefully. 
I'm going to say democracy isn't everything, but I'm going to I'm going to really explain that because people think de- democracy as a right to vote is the be all and end all. No, there's a knowledge which comes with that as well, people. There's a knowledge of it's not just I have the right to vote. It's well, you do have the right to vote, but why are you voting? What's the reasons behind it? How have you come to this decision to put your ex in a freaking box? And it, listen, the bit be- listen. You're going to vote with your chest, yeah? Not what the fuck you're voting for. Yeah. It's not a do-over. It's not a joke thing, yeah? It's not... It's not, oh, I thought we can... Now we can get a second referent. Wh- who? No, this is, this, you've made your choice. And you've to be made fair... made your choice. And the rest of us have to lie in this bed, this pitiful bed for which you've made with your choice. It's, it's pure bullshit. It's a sad... It's a sad day... And it, and this is the thing, like, let me clarify as well. Like, I, 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 and it relates to my good shit, which I'll talk about. I have a British passport, yay. You know, technically, my me and my parents were British. I've never regarded myself as one because I know where my true heritage is from, right? So all of this sentiment about Britain, 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 is not because I'm nationalist. I do not have a St. George's flag waving through my, my window. I do not support the England football team. I may be the problem people are talking about. I don't give a shit because I'm not proud of this country for its history and now its repeated history of how it treats non-white people, right? Mm. All the pride that we have of this country and why we have such a passionate response to the decision which has been made, right, is because we... We saw the benefits of it. We love London more than we love Britain. We didn't think we lived in a world, or we did, because now it's abundantly apparent that we're so divided by fear-mongering. There's still a pride, but not a national pride on a big level, where we're going to be chanting, you know, God save the Queen. Because we, we're talking like this because we had a faith in humanity and good, decent people to make good, decent, fucking rational decisions, and that's been torn apart. And as a result, we have to live through people's bullshit now. I'm going to say it again, and I've said it possibly every episode since I brought it up as words of wisdom. If you cannot hear, you must feel. And <laughs> listen, everybody who voted leave, cry me a fucking river because you're going to be the first people complaining when you lose your NHS, when you lose right. your workers' rights, when you right. lose your fucking maternity pay and all, this, all these other things that, the, that being part of the European Union has brought us. You'll be the first ones complaining. For those of you who did not understand what you were voting for, let this be a lesson to you because you have to live with it now. And while we want to praise young people, they did not turn out in droves. 36% mm. turned out to vote. 75% of that 36% voted to remain. However, only 36% of you turned out for your own fucking future. So deal with it. Deal with it. Your own fault. Your own fault. To be apathetic in something that is so fucking important... So- is you know what you fucking deal with it i have a canadian passport i'm gonna bounce when this thing is done you know i mean we're gonna see how long it takes like obviously nothing's gonna happen immediately it's gonna take a bit of time for us to see exactly how much of a shit show this thing's gonna be and it will be a shit show the whole time this campaign was going on i was saying i can't wait till this is over i can't wait to just cast my vote because the atmosphere over here at the moment is repugnant It is repugnant. It really makes my skin crawl. Just, I cannot stand this this xenophobia, which was underlying, but is now just brought to the surface and is there every day. I can't stand it. And as you said, you touched on it. We're in a bit of a bubble in London. I'm very lucky. Yes, the majority of Londoners voted to remain, as did the majority of people in Leeds, which is my, my other home. So I feel very lucky that 
I happen to be surrounded by people who were on the right side of this thing, who did want to remain. I kind of wish there was a way where we could split this thing down the middle. Those of us who voted remain, we still get all the benefits of the EU. Right. You wanted to leave? Cool. Fuck you then. You, you don't get to use the NHS. You don't get to do all these other things. You know what Wait. I mean? Like if that's what you wanted. Build a wall. Yeah. Build a wall. But what a fucking mess. I just, I, I really do feel sick. It's just, it's awful. It's awful. We are a laughing stock now, England. I hope you understand. We are an absolute laughing stock in the world because people bought into the politics of fear and you didn't educate yourself and you didn't make a rational choice and now you've got to live with it and you're going to be ruin the day. I guarantee it. Uh, <sighs> exhale. Yeah, I just, okay. So that's, yeah, a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Let's focus on good shit. <laughs> Let's bring this bad boy back round because I can't take it anymore. My heart is so heavy, honestly. So, my I'm with you, bangs. My good shit is being a Londoner, the people of London. <clears throat> that is my incredible good shit, especially in in the in the wake of Brexit. But it's something I've always prided myself. On. If you if you know me, like people be like, away from like you British. No, I'm a Londoner first before I'm British because there's something about that city. Like I've lived, um, I mean, I've lived in Norwich as a direct comparison. One's chalk, one's cheese, um, and talks to a lot of the sentiments that we were talking about before. Um, but I know what it is like to live in in a multicultural society. I know what it's like to see diversity day to day to be flooded with thought and opinion and art and culture and I'm very very respectful of the city that raised me a little bit of me loathes it hence why I'm here um, because I think there's a again through governmental policies and and votes and all the things which we don't have a say on what people want to decide our future it became a bit of a vacuum for creative Talented and a lot of vacuum for young people, but I still pride myself as a Londoner, as a city that raised me, as a city where I have roots, and just that has always given me a tremendous sense of pride. So my good shit is the city of London. People who voted to remain, young people who voted to remain, not a lot of old people voted to remain, but forever that city, like actually being a constant source of inspiration to people. I'm hoping that further good shit is that we become like Vatican City and we could just, you know, block everything around from us and just be our own thing. But yeah, that's my good shit. Like, being being a Lon Londoner is my good shit. And it's one of those things living here as well, where um, whenever I hear that accent, like, I was literally, true story, cannot lie, got off the plane last Monday, was talking to a colleague, and a guy came up to me and was like, you from London? I was like, yeah. He was like, for real? I was like, yeah, black guy, black female talking. He's like, I just heard your accent, bruv. I'm from there too. Like That connection, because we instantly hear it. He's from South, I'm from South. We instantly hear it. Boom, bada, bye, done. Like, And I love that. I love that hearing this voice here reminds me a bit of home. I can stand to still hear it. And it's instant rapport with someone I have, regardless of what ends they're from. So good shit on being a Londoner. Long, for as long as it can, mate, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Over to my brethren. Mine, I guess, is kind of similar. My good shit this week is getting to know your neighbours. Ooh. Which I think is 
important, especially in a city like London, which can yeah. be big and scary at times and isolating, and especially if you're not from here. Um, but I live in a lovely pocket of the city called Notting Hill, which is a very delightful place. I, I keep thinking I'm going to be caught out one day. It's like, oh, we've got a pleb amongst us. We've got a pleb amongst <laughs> us. Let's get her out. But uh, yeah, I'm very lucky to live where I live and I, I absolutely love it. And it's kind of what's great about Notting Hill is that it is kind of like a bit of a village within a massive city. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, it's one of the few areas left that still has like a bunch of independent shops. And, you know, it's, it's really lovely. And since I moved here, obviously, you see the same people out and about all the time. And, you know, I kind of have always given a bit of a smile and a nod to the people who live in my building and things. Yeah. But just over the past few months, I've really kind of made more of a concerted effort of just really making time to have conversation with those people. And I had a day the other day where I kind of woke up and I took the dog out and there's a, a, the street cleaner. It's the same guy who cleans our street all the time. I've got a nice little good morning thing going on with him. And I think he's from Eritrea and he's just the loveliest man who always has a smile on his face and is just adorable. Always says good morning, said morning to him. And there's another guy who he's an older gentleman who had a stroke a few years ago and he's just he's a bit slow on his feet. And I always make a point of stopping and talking to him and he loves my dog and he has a little play with my dog every time. And, you know, I just spend five minutes chatting with him and because I, I have a feeling that he's all by himself. And so I kind of want to look out for him because I know he's in the area and I just want to make sure he's cool. There's another man who's blind and he, I see him out on a walk with his guide dog all the time and I make a point of saying hi to him. And there's a lovely young family in my building who I think they are... Scandinavian I want to say I haven't actually we've, we've not gone there yet with the where are you froms but I, I want to say they're Scandinavian that's from the sound of the accent yeah lovely couple and their two kids and they're just lovely and I always help her with the pram getting in the building and stuff and it just kind of warms my heart basically yeah. to be able to have they're just like small interactions but on days where you feel particularly isolated or you've not spoken to anybody or your only conversation has been with your dog it's, it's quite a few of my days um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's nice to just be able to go out and run into someone who lives in your building and have a nice little five minute conversation of you know just shooting the shit and I think it's just it's really important to look out for the people who live around you, you know, and, and get to know them a little bit. And don't be scared of doing that. We we like to lament the loss of of a feeling of community. But as I always say, you know, you've got to be the change you want to see. I've kind of come around to that way of thinking of like, oh, London can be so isolating and whatever. And it's like, well, actually, I'm living in an area right now where everybody is really nice and friendly and it's up to me as well to put myself out there a bit and, and make those connections. So yeah, I'm calling good shit on that. Get to know your neighbours, people. It's nice. Borrow most a cup of sugar sometime. Most definitely. Yeah, them, them, hey, on my street, that's still real. Like, that's the thing. Like, the benefits of community, like, particularly if you just move to an area, yeah. like, yeah. interact. Yes. Inter-fucking-act with your neighbours. Like, I always feel like I've lived on my street for, like, over 21 years. My family have lived in the area of Fulham for like 25, 30, 40 years. So growing up on my street, people have literally seen me from like birth to adulthood, yeah. you know? People have seen me in my primary school to my secondary school to my working school, like working, working clothes, right? And all it takes is a hello, or all it takes is two minutes to, how are you, I haven't seen you in a while. And I always call bullshit actually on people who want to move into my area, don't really want to integrate, um, 
And no, I'm not I'm not hate mongering here, but there's a certain middle to upper class segment which now move into other areas, mm. right? And wanna keep themselves to themselves. Yeah. Well, let me keep myself to myself when someone wants to break into your house. I yeah, said Exactly. Let me keep myself to myself then. When when you wanna walk past me and act like I'm I'm the problem on the street or I'm trying to do something on the street when I've been here for over twenty years. Yeah. Get to know your neighbours like like I know I can go next door to number nine, sit in their house, watch the football, get some great Guyanese food. I know I can walk down and and, and see Mick and his wife and say hello and see how she's doing because she's in in ill health. Ill health. I know another neighbour can come and ask me and be like, "Have you not got electricity? We don't have electricity. Can I have this?" Like, and that's how it should be. Yeah, that's how it should be. Always get to know the people in your area. You never know when they may be in need of you or when you just need someone to say hello to and a bit of freaking familiarity. You know? Yes. I think this whole thing of what we've lost in terms of that that's it. That we've lost community. Yes. This is another thing which maybe wasn't campaigned about, but this is where people have made the decisions they've made. We've lost that sense of community where it's yeah. not an appreciation for who you live next door to. It's a fear of who you live next door to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh. Oh you've you- t- you've hit the nail on the head right there. If we did have more of a sense of community, people would understand you'd have to fear, you know, any immigrants, any people who are coming here, you'd have to fear that. Difference, (sighs) do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the underlying problem of of a lot of this, of a lot of this. We don't talk to who's directly next to us. Like, I want... I, I don't know if it's if it's yeah Zadie Smith white teeth like bruv I wish people read that book more of like what it's like for a white family and an Indian family to grow up together in the same in the same city and like how the lives have a bit of um <clears throat> cross influence but if you talk to someone who lives directly next to you who's who's a bit different who's come from whatever you don't know the background of which they've come to live next door to you bro exactly you know do you know what that's a good actually let's listeners we're going to throw this out as a challenge to you this oh, week yeah say hi to someone who lives on your street make conversation what? there's you will guarantee there's someone who you see on your street every single day and you walk past them like you don't know that person make this what? week the week where you start making that connection just because right like what are you going to lose absolutely nothing you might actually gain a really so, great friend out of that or at least someone who you can just say hi to yeah done that's the challenge i'm gonna do it on my side of the pond as well yeah i'm gonna say hi to more people on my street too even yes. though you know i'm really getting there with knowing all of them at this point i'm doing pretty good <laughs> i'm doing pretty good but i could always do better so yes i'm gonna be you. saying wicked, more hellos wicked, wicked, wicked. all right well let's crack on what are we talking about this week totally forgot we had a whole other show yeah i mean we're just here we are just bitching about brexit it could just we could just call it a day here but i feel like we did have something else to talk no, about. no we do have something else to talk about talking about introducing yourself to people let's go off of that tangent and uh meeting new people in your area or maybe at a bar or anywhere when you meet someone when you approach someone right the first thing you shouldn't say is what do you do I'm really frustrated over the fact that people, when they meet me or when other people meet each other, that that's your go-to, that's your clutch for then defining or engaging with that person of what you do. I've had instances when it's in industry events where even that jars me, bruv. Like, 
because it gets to the point where, well, you're going to be wanting to get something out of me or you're only going to talk to me at the validation of where I'm, I work from or, or what I do. But when you meet someone in a normal interaction, the first thing should never be, so what do you do? To me, it's like, you know when people say, if you swear, it shows you had a bad grasp of the English language. Yeah, I call bullshit on that. (laughs) (laughs) That's some fuckery right there. What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, my God. Real talk. Um, But my loose tangent of which I'm linking this to is that if you ask someone what do they do, it shows I don't really think you're interested in the rest of that person or understanding them as a multifaceted individual. It's just a real, real deep peeve of mine that what do you do okay where do you work okay like no 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 whenever people used to ask me like what do you do I'd be like well I live life and I try to do that very well and here's 20 million other things that I want you to know about me before you see there's a value in my job title so I think it's about let's talk about like being less divine defined sorry by what I do and more of the person I am I hear you and in an ideal world, that would absolutely be the case. But I think it is just one of those—it's just one of those icebreakers that has just become so normalised and part of the lexicon that it is just one of those questions that you ask first. And I do—I think it's bullshit. But okay, I'm going to come at this from two angles, right? No. Oh. Personally, uh, it irks me when people ask me that, like right off the bat now, mainly because I genuinely do do many things. I don't have a singular job title that I can tie a bow in and it's going to make it nice and neat for you to be for you to be able to understand my life and my journey and, and what I do. I have what they call a portfolio career. I do many things, right? So it's difficult for me. I can't just be like, well, blah, blah, blah is my job title. That's so it's, it's just irritating to me to have to explain to you the myriad of things that I do and then have especially when you're a freelancer, have people say, well, how do you make money out of that? Well, how about you mind your own business? Because (laughs) that's quite a rude question. Here I am living life. I'm paying my rent. You don't need to worry about it. Are you paying my bills? No, you're not. Let's shut your mouth. Good. Cool. Great. But then I'm going to go back to my other point on this, which when I was thinking about this topic this week, I, I remember writing a blog post about this years ago, actually, about, and I think I called it, are you who you are or what you do? Right? And there are people who define themselves 100% by what they do and their career choice. For me, especially at the time that I wrote that, I just moved back to England, I think, when I wrote that. And it really did irritate me when people used to ask me, what do you do? And having thought about it now, it bothered me because I was not confident in my choices and what I was doing, right? I was not in a, in a place where I felt like what I was doing actually was a representation of who I am, right? So, which for me, those two things in my head should always go together. But we, as we spoke about last week, there's plenty of merits in a nine to five that you may not have any interest in, right? So my views on that have somewhat changed now. But at the time, especially when I was living in Canada and I was a, re- I was a travel agent and a really fucking terrible one and trying to just make my way as a writer... And I was so embarrassed to tell people that I was a travel agent. And on reflection, I'm like, that's not a bad job. Like, why would I be ashamed to tell people that? And I felt that I just wanted people to know I'm a writer. So for me, that question of what do you do made me so uncomfortable because I was not in a, in a place 
where I was confident about who I, who I was, what I was doing or where I was trying to go career wise. So it was a really fucking loaded question at that yeah. time in my life. I, I totally agree. And I think one of my instant reactions to that question of how I feel and why I, I don't like it is because I know to a certain extent, I've never felt a full sense of pride in a job role I've had yet. Right. And then I therefore less want to be defined for the person that does that or is that role if I'm not fully confident in owning that term. Like, I, I get called something at work and I always shake my head and be like, that's not what I am. That's not what I do. But it does. I think there's this, the, the pride in the job role bit really, really sticks with me because in leaving university and trying to figure out what the hell it is, what I wanted to do, everyone puts a label on you. When you try, you apply for a job for with a label. Yes, there's qualifications underneath it. I want you to be curious, thinking, outgoing, no youth culture. Yay, all of these fucking buzzwords. But at the end of the day, it's a title. Now, I've never seen myself as that. So, in trying to figure out, trying to ascertain what skill set comes with being in this one job role, um, and then being locked into that has always sat hasn't sat well with me because a bit to the point of yourself you've always saw yourself as multi-career you know a freelancer with many jack of all trades master of none type of person and then when I think also when someone tries to lock me into that role it's totally ignored all the other shit I do of which maybe where my passion lies where my personal interests are and where my side hustles come from now we did speak about like the, the you know the value and the merit of the nine to five and if you're a receptionist or a cleaner and you are the best of that, then do you go you. But I think there's such now in the, t- in the society we're living in where there's this grandiose expectations with special brand relationship strategist, marketer, digital, um, whatever the hell you want to call it, that people sit so gassed on the title. And I don't buy into that. I really don't want to buy into that. Because if you ask me, you know, what do you do? I will never give my title. I'll say the things around it. So like, I think, I research, I write a bit. But hey, I'm an awesome person because you know what I really, what do I do? I live life. I love to travel. I love reading. I love writing. Occasionally I play a bit of sports. I do all these things. And it's just what I, I think more of now, it's that shortcut to what do you do? Why are you here? Why are you important? You know, maybe it's too, it's too much. Maybe that does give someone an indication of who you are, but I'm, I'm constantly pushing back on, on that because of sometimes a lack of pride and also because there's more to me than my job title. So I, I totally hear you. I don't think people would hear what you do and think, right, that's who she is. I think that I think we kind of have to give people credit for being able to think a little bit broader than that. I don't think... Because, I mean, I'm guilty of having asked people the question too, but I try not to ask that question because I know that it just makes me feel a bit weird. So I try not to make that my conversation opener. But at some point, when I get to know someone, I of course I want to know what they do. I want to know yeah. what they spend 40 hours a week doing. Like that, that absolutely does contribute to who you are as a person. It may contribute massively. It may not contribute on a big scale at all. But it contributes somehow. I'm interested in why you would choose to spend 40 hours of your week doing this particular thing. It does not have to define you. And I think you can make that point during the conversation. But I, but then it kind of all feels a bit, 
argumentative somehow, like you're defending, like, uh, I do this, but it's not really me. And like, yeah, it just, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Ever muddled. Yeah. But I wonder if it's, I don't know how you feel about small talk. I fucking hate it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> not my thing at all. Do not it's like it. Come to me with the big questions. And then and I want to have an actual real conversation. I think that's why I think asking people what they do fits into small talk. No, it and does. You're right. I disdain for it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard enough trying to meet people. Like, I'm really experiencing that in this city of, of trying to meet people, keep and maintain relationships and so on and so forth and small talk just gets bumped into that what do you do okay how long you been here okay cool bye on to the on to the next person come at me with the big questions like and so i remember having this conversation a few years ago someone's like well what do you ask people if you don't know ask what they do i'll be like what do you like to do in your spare time how's your day been what do you do this weekend okay cool let's i think the challenge is to start vibing off and creating a conversation which is less about what that person does and who that person actually is, you know? But I do I do get it. Like, it's, 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 it's you know, double-edged sword. Like, yeah. on one hand, it's important. On one hand, it's not important. Personally, because I probably take it as something, you know, I feel some type of way um, when people ask me it. But I do think there's more to people. The more The more people I talk to, the more of my mates that I talk to are like, working for agencies or or you know working in this quote-unquote creative industries the things we talk about maybe are never work but the things that we talk about always are side projects always the side hustle always things that interest because I think maybe it's generational maybe you know that being less defined by what you actually do and more of the interest you have is a thing and rather to be wanting to be known for all the the multitude of things you do, rather than one thing, is is maybe the shift of where where we're at. So you know, I, maybe. What do you think? I right. agree. Really, this comes down to just having better conversational skills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about that. I saw a TED talk a little while ago, and I as soon as that came out of my mouth, I realised I can't remember who the hell it was. <laughs> so let's, this is let's, get, let's have good uh, remembering skills too, bags. Yeah. I clearly need to work on mine. Um, yeah, it was, a, I went to a TED Talk event. It was TED Talk Vancouver, and it was live streamed across a, the world into cinema. Is that cinemas. the one that you went to the cinema for? Yes, and Shonda Rhimes was speaking at it. And yes. there was another guy who was speaking on that same ticket. And I can't remember his name, but it was a really great talk. And, and it was kind of about this, about not defining yourself by what you do. And... He said one of the questions you sh he will ask people is, and I think this is great, what are your dreams and what are your broken dreams? Mm. Like, that's a good opener. I would fucking love it if someone came to me with that. I'm like, oh, we're about to dive in. Get comfy, make a couple, let's do this shit. You know what I mean? I would yeah. rather have that, like, as an opener than just the, oh, how are you, how, what do you do and where do you live and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I think know, like, I start with those emotional questions. Like, something I would always ask, ask um, my mates are you happy are you happy yeah in whatever you, in your relationship in your job in your life in your present situation are you happy yeah. let's talk yeah. about your happiness how's your self-care are you taking care of yourself and now i know off the bat you don't want to approach me and be like are you happy yeah, yeah. <laughs> you good yeah you know but you're right. Like, what are your dreams? What are your broken dreams? Like, you know, what's the last book you read? What did you do last weekend? Okay, what type of music do you like? 
it's just I think the thing is having more fulfilling conversations here exactly yeah. like you said because I'm growing to have little or small regard for small talk I've realized I know my tribe I know my friends I know the people I can call on for whatever bits of advice meeting new people is hard in the city in particular it makes it harder if the question's like hi what do you do okay cool yeah bye that's small. No, 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 no. Just no. so run of the mill and boring. So the mill, so boring, so blah blah blah. Because in trying to find new friendships, I know these things don't happen at the click of a finger. I know they don't happen overnight. But it really is the challenge and the curiosity to to have that vibe with someone. Like, oh yeah, I didn't know you were into that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't know you thought that. Did you read that piece? Like, this is how new friendships are born. This is how things are more fulfilling this is this is the good shit of of, of getting to know someone and those are the know? interactions you remember as well like when you do exactly. meet someone and you really vibe with them off the fact that oh my god you were at that same concert too oh my god or you know those are the moments right that that's what makes you remember a person i've had a million conversations with a million people that have gone down that very same route which is one of the reasons i never go to fucking networking events because it's mm. it's all that's all it is Hi, what's your name? What do you do? Like, I'm not interested in that at all. And the people who I've met, people who I'm friends with, it's always kind of started with a vibey conversation like that, where we just found that we've got something really freaking weird in common and we you know, vibed off that in an initial conversation and that just kept flowing. Yeah. So, and I think there's something here, you know, for all our introvert, extroverts and in between listening to, like, again, like, introvert, extrovert, extrovert, talking to an introvert. Uh -huh. There's, there's things then that you can do, I think, of which either side of the spectrum you fall in to make the conversations better for you. Yeah. You know? Um, make that conversation tick a little bit faster or be a bit more meaningful for you, even when you know you don't want to be there, you know? Let's have better conversations, people. Let's not lead with what do you do, where do you work, how much money you make. Again, all these things are really none of your business. Let's work to find out a little bit more of who that person is, what their interests are, and strike up friendships that way. I think, I think people should make a little list of good conversation openers, other questions that you can ask. You well, know? we're losing the art of conversation, aren't we, Banks? Mm, you know, true, we're losing yeah. the art of conversation. And I think this is where a lot of the thing, it, it, it stems from of, of big, grandiose job titles to losing the art of conversation to being a digital digital community because shit has to exist and live in real life and and and, and that's what i find is the most important yes sir word i think we've summed it up right there yeah man basically so two challenges two challenges talk to your neighbor yes and if you meet a new person don't ask them what they do think of something more creative to there ask. you go yeah ask a different question and see where the conversation goes. And I think it will most likely be a more fulfilling one if you ask a different question. If you find out that they voted leave, then just walk on nicely. Just, you know, punch them in the face and just move on with your life. Don't punch them in the face. That was, I was clearly joking. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <sighs> Breathe. Yeah. Okay, good. I like that. Yes. Um, do you have some words of wisdom this week? I do, but I'm going to let you go first. Oh, Okay. Let me just consult my book. Because when you're prepared, I know you come with it. Oh, mate, I wrote it down and everything. So I read a really good interview this week with the comedian Louis C.K., who I'm a massive fan of Louis C.K. 
He's very funny. I've seen him live uh, and my brother's a huge fan as well. So that's something that we just kind of, we constantly trade Louis CK jokes all the time. Anyway, he did a really good interview with um, Vulture.com this past week. And this just one of the answers he gave to, I can't even remember what the question was, but this is one of the answers that um, he gave. And he said, a lot of times in life, there's not a solution to your situation. Sometimes something just sucks. When you're in one of those moments where you think, this is just bad. After you get it off your chest, you go, all right, I'll be okay. And that just kind of really stuck with me because I thought it's so true. Like sometimes things are just shit and Mm. there's no big kind of solution to it. Whatever you try to do, you're not making any headway. And I'm guilty of it as well. Oftentimes we like to just complain about that situation as much as we can. And sometimes I've caught myself and been like, actually, this is not a useful emotion for me. It's not helping me move forward. It's not helping me do anything. Sometimes you just have to get it off your chest one time and be like, all right, but I'm still here though. I'm okay. I'm going to get through it. You know? Yeah. This thing that's happening right now might be a bit shit, but bottom line, I'm alive. I'm living. I'm doing my thing. I'm going to be all right. Throw on some Kendrick. Cause you know, we going to be all right. And remind yourself that it's going to be okay. You know, sometimes things are shit, but you get through it. That's my summation of that quote. <laughs> sometimes things are shit and you get through it. Exactly. It's like, oh, I heard I was in Nashville the other week and I heard someone say, um, I got lost in the Uber. Someone's like, well, you know, life, sometimes we all get a little bit lost, just like navigation. We get a little bit lost in life. That is the worst Southern accent I think I've ever said no to man. But you're right. I totally agree with you. So what are your words of wisdom? I feel like there's a rap quotable coming on and I'm very excited about it. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not a rap quotable. Now I'm disappointed. Um, it is a, a quotable of an artist. Okay. Um, the late, great Whitney. I, do you know what? I think this came on in the office the other day and I, I like to have a little bit of a sing-song. I can't hold a note. To save my life, I sound like a drowning cat. But I'm every woman came on, right? And I found, I know, just all the praise hands. And I found myself singing along. That's my words of wisdom. Like my quote, like, I'm every woman. It being uh, pride all around the world at the moment, then me always talking about the multifacetedness of women and understanding gender. And all the packages and variations of which that comes from. Nothing should negate the fact that no matter of orientation or race or of all these things which which undercut the very premise, there's a pride there's a pride in that of I'm every woman, right? And to me it reads something quite audacious when you say it, you know? Something really in your face and an and ownership of that. And I've been thinking thinking of it a lot recently um so yeah those i mean any any 90s pop song should be words of wisdom but that one in particular really stuck out to me so for whatever reason if you know you're celebrating women's history month which is in march pride or whatever or you want to look in the mirror um one day and you want to feel more than because at times you're feeling less than just remember i'm every woman Yas, yas, queen, yas. Beautiful. All right, Pete. So you can reach us on Twitter at No BS Guide to Life. You can reach us on uh, our website, nobsguide to life dot com. And what was the other thing? We exist on Twitter. 
We exist, have a website. We exist oh, individually. Email. Hang on. Email. No Shame. BS. Yeah, no. No BS guide to life at gmail.com. Email us. We like to talk to you. And we will discuss. If you have an issue you want us to discuss, let us know. And yes, we exist individually on various platforms. Where can they find you? They can find me on one. Just the one. I tweet at lemel underscore p. Many rap lyrics. A lot of memes, a lot of Brexit stuff, um, a lot of me tackling microaggressions. Just yeah, tweet me. I'm nice. I tweet back. I, I, oh, there's a lot of R&B on my on my Twitter feed as well. So if you're feeling particularly in that mood at work and you want to back it up when you see it a little, just check my feed. Nice. But you bangs, where can they find you? You can find me on everything as at bangs and a bun. So, so true. Hunt me down. Uh, we will be back next week with some more swagging. Yeah. Hold tight. Take talk to your neighbours. Ask your questions. Bye. Yeah. Laters. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.